0: Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor-scholars explore the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Patrick Eby. Patrick is a church historian and a Wesley scholar, both of John and Charles Wesley, here at Wesley Seminary alongside me. He's, in fact, my neighbor right next door. Our offices are right next to each other, and he was on the show a couple times before, at least once, a uh, while back, about a year ago, and I was happy to have him on the show again this year, especially because we have been in the book of First John, and he has a lot of interesting things to say about First John, and it was a favorite a passage of the Wesley brothers, a favorite book of the Bible of the Wesley brothers. So I thought it'd be good to have him on. So our text this week is 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through the end of the chapter. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already, so you never miss an episode. And as you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show along to others so that they may benefit as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Patrick. Usually I have the guests read the passage. Would you be willing to read it in any translation of your choice, whatever you got there, or something else if you want it?
1: Yep, I have uh, the new revised standard version. I brought my Wesley study Bible just, just nice, for the fun classy. of it. <laughs> not, not often I hold a Bible in my hand anymore. That's true. You know, it's with all of the inventions. So, uh, Starting in verse 16 of chapter 3 of 1 John, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need, and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from Him whatever we ask, because we obey His commandments and do what He pleases. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. All who obey His commandments abide in Him, and He abides in them. And by this we know that He abides in us, by the Spirit that He has given us. Nice. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks uh, for your word, your word of life. that was made flesh in your son, Jesus. And we give you thanks for this written word that's been handed on to us. And we ask now that our own spoken word that we share with one another and with all those listening in uh, would be somehow by your spirit and grace caught up in the movement of your word so that what you have to say to us uh, may be heard and obeyed and would would move our hearts to compassion as is referenced in this text. So Lord, illumine our minds, uh, move our hearts, and uh, set us into action that we may continue to abide in your Son by whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So what's, uh, what grabs your attention in this text? What's uh, interesting or what do you like about this text in general or what did you notice today that sort of struck you?
1: As I was thinking about this earlier today, I read read through it and I realized that you could just take this one text and two of the kind of phrases that get associated with the Wesleys is perfect love Mm. and sinless perfection. And like, in this larger text, what do you do about sin in the believer's life? Yeah. You know, and the church has struggled with that question throughout history and come up with different answers. And then the the centrality of love, not only of God, but love of neighbor, hmm. that's here in this whole text. So John Wesley will go to this book to talk about, you know, if you don't love your brother who you've seen, how can you love God who you haven't seen? So... The very practical nature that that Christianity lived out for in the poor by taking care of the poor, how can you turn somebody away? yeah, so all of that is really really present in John and Charles Wesley's life from their very first days till their very last days
0: yeah and those and those two themes are you know linked in the passage in general, and especially in let's see which verse was it was it uh maybe verse seventeen It's mm-hmm. in a rhetorical question right. Yeah. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his heart against him or withholds Mm -hmm. his compassion. There's a lot of, there's a translational thing there we can talk about if we want. How does the love of God abide in him? You know, and earlier he was saying, you know, if we, if we practice sin, Mm -hmm. you know, then, then how can we abide in God and God in us? Right. So there's this kind of abiding is linked with this, uh, very sp- and it's not just a general good works. It's yeah. the very specific because actually, first John doesn't always get very specific, but here yeah. it's very specific. Yeah. What kind of love we're talking about? It's not just a general goodwill. It's yeah. the, the specific action. And it's interesting that you said see from that's from chapter four, right? How do you love God who you can't see? Yeah, and here you have the seeing language, yeah. right? Who, who sees his brother? Yeah. right. So there's the coming into encounter, yeah. with someone in need. And for you to just walk by that, that would just be sort of the, a total contradiction of the very love that God shows us who saw us and did not walk by, but stopped and cared.
1: Yeah. yeah. And maybe Jesus most famous parable of the religious people that walk by, mm. Mm. you know, who see the man alongside the that. wall yeah, road and just walk by, you know, but it's a Samaritan who stops and cares, right. and so I don't know if John has that in mind as he writes this, or perhaps,
0: and both of them would have in the background that famous <laughs> parable in Jeremiah, or is it Ezekiel? It might be Ezekiel. Sorry, where God describes His election of Israel as seeing this like baby on the side of the road, oh. and scooping it up and
1: helping it, you know? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that passage actually.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it it gets dark because then, like later, he sees sees them there again, and, and she's now
1: a prostitute. Okay, right? and so
0: that sounds. <laughs> does that sound more like the prophets now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not preached in my church, you know, because of the yeah, second half. <laughs> Spooked by the second half.
0: Pretty sure it's in Ezekiel, but the point is, is that there's there's an Old Testament yeah. rootage to this yeah. imagery, of seeing those in need on the side of, yeah. and and not walking past, but which would be to shut up your compassion,
1: yeah. to close off your bowels. Yeah. When you went to Ezekiel, I thought of the the three beggars at the gate. Mm. Who, you know, well, we might as well go out to the camp. You know, they might kill us, but we're going to die here anyways. And then yes. they find all of the riches. And then now they have that choice. Do they go back and tell the town about the riches or do they mm. gorge themselves? So, like, that was where I thought you were going with that. But it that fits. Period. Yeah. It's like, it, it fits the same. Yeah. You have a plenty. You have abundance. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that when you see your brother in need or your sister in need? And that's something John Wesley took really seriously yeah. in his life. From the time he was in college, like going to the prisons, teaching people to read, you know, paying people's debt to get them out of prison. Like his whole life from the very beginning to when he's in his 80s, I mean, he's walking through London in two inches of snow for like five days until he gets sick. And he raises the equivalent of a million dollars so that he can feed, clothe, get coal hmm. for his people so that they can survive the winter. Yeah. Like, he just—he didn't just preach this gospel, he lived this gospel from the beginning to the end. Now, I, I would say what can be mistaken in this passage is that this is somehow how we earn God's love. But this is like if you love God, this just actually flows naturally. And I guess that was a shift for,
0: at least for the Wesley brothers, yeah. right? Is because the solidarity with and ministry to the poor yeah. was already as early as what, like seventeen twenty-five, yeah. when the when the Holy Club starts up, yeah. and it's somewhat disappointment after thirteen years of doing that and not feeling, yeah. yeah not feeling what he, what he talks about here. The, man, this is such a Wesleyan passage. I'm glad you yeah. picked it. I, I, spoiler alert, you know, listeners, right? Like, I guess it's not spoiler, but behind the scenes, right? I was like, hey, it's first John. I know the Wesleys like that. I'll yeah. ask my Wesley scholar friend Patrick on. And, but because of this confidence before God stuff in 21, yeah. that's what John and Charles were lacking, especially yeah. John prior to the so-called Aldersgate experience, yeah. right? In some ways is yeah. the this 21 of, having confidence before God, like knowing I am accepted, but that doesn't mean, oh, now, okay, now I don't care about the poor. It's that the cart got before the horse, right? It's that out of gratitude for the love God has for me, I let that love flow out, which is why a verb like abide is so helpful. So this is about abiding love. This isn't achieving love that one doesn't have from God, but rather abiding in the yeah. love that God has already shown us. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. But let me complicate that story just please. a little bit. Oh, please.
0: Yeah. Well, that was a reading of the text. Oh, no, like no, the no, no, but no, 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 no. No, no,
1: no, no. Let me complicate the, that Either. that May 24th moment mm-hmm. in John's life and in Charles's life. Please. Yeah. Maybe we focus on that because it's that personal sure. relationship with God. Well, John walks out of that and almost immediately has doubts. Doubts again, right. Like So he do- he doesn't really experience this. In its fullness, although he's starting to get it. He's starting to understand, I don't have to earn God's love. God loves me. I can accept that. But he doesn't quite get it yet. And then it's about, well, it's over a year and a half later Mm -hmm. in in September of 1739, where his friend George Whitfield invites him to preach in the field. Okay. And now he's telling them about the love of Christ. And these are miners, coal miners, face black with soot. Yeah. Yeah and as he finishes the sermon he can see the trails of tears down their faces Mm -hmm. and that they know that god loves them and when he knows that miners can accept the love of god he realizes that god loves him yeah so so somebody has said his heart was strangely warmed in may of you know 1738 but his heart was set ablaze in september of 1739 this passage became That's real good. because it needs to come become real in community. Not, in community, there you not, go. Not 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 in the individual
0: moment. So your complication there of the sort of Wesley myth mythos, yes, actually brings it closer into alignment with
1: yes, First John chapter yeah. three. No, yeah, is that I what think I'm so. You say, yeah, like I I saw the community. Like this is, if you don't love God in community with your community, love your brother, it's hard for you to experience. And God's specifically,
0: love. the brother in need. Yes. Because they tried community amongst their class and familiars. They've yeah. been trying that for over a decade, right? Yeah. They started a little small group. Yeah. So they had some community, yeah. but it was the safe community yeah. of the familiar, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And there's something powerful in communing with and befriending yeah. those who have, with whom you have very little in common except yeah. your common humanity yeah. and your one God and Lord, yeah. right? That That sort of taps you into something
1: yeah. deeper. This is—I mean, I suspect going to America was dangerous, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, the miners were seen as kind of the brutes. Like, it was dangerous.
0: Okay. You know, well, I imagine the, the the American mission was dangerous but heroic, whereas this yeah. was not looked upon Maybe as a yeah. good idea by yeah, yeah. anybody really much well, at all.
1: Right? Charles definitely <laughs> thought it was not a <laughs> yeah, good yeah, idea yeah, for yeah. his brother to go preach to the miners. He's like, you're, gonna, you're putting your life at, at risk here. You're, you're entering a dangerous space. And John just felt like no, but they need to hear the gospel too. Yeah, like I need to, I need to step out there. So, and some of that can just be class fear. You always, yeah, 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 yeah. It may, it may, oh, it, it may really be rough. a false myth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. But, but it was still relevant to their experience. Yeah, and there were actual persecution and deaths of early Methodist preachers in certain areas, but it may not be this class thing that causes it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a dangerous profession to be a Methodist preacher sure. during this time.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Real quick. So we started at verse 16 mm-hmm. and we have this sort of powerful statement about what it means to know what love is, you know, that he laid down his life for us. That language, of course, yeah. is very Johanine. You have the yeah. same language in the gospel of John mm-hmm. repeated. And then we also are obliged then, it says, mm-hmm. to lay down our lives for the brethren. Of course, this sounds like, okay, I'm supposed to die mm-hmm. for the people, which, okay, maybe be true. But interestingly then... The rhetorical question in, in verse 17, whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? It's kind of interesting that what – at least at first glance, what, what it means to lay down our life is this sort of – these acts of charity, these acts of justice. He doesn't immediately sort of say, Jesus died for us, mm-hmm. so you need to die for others. Yeah. It's, it's a very specific application in a way, it's helping me even think about like when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, Yeah, he doesn't always mean suffer crucifixion, literally, yeah. right? So so to have this highly specific sort of exposition, what does it mean to lay down your life for your friends? Like in yeah. John 15, it says, for your brother, for your neighbor, for someone in need. And the weird thing is it's actually kind of simple. I mean, it's hard to actually do, yeah, but... So it's not easy, but it's simple because it's so clear. Like the love of God, if, if the love is God is in you, then it it will move you to
1: act. Yeah,
0: right. This reference to the you know to closing off your compassion,
1: you know. Yeah. And sometimes it may be more dangerous to answer the call to this verse than other times. So I'll say more about that. So, during times of plague what you would do is you would just throw the bodies out into the street
0: Hmm.
1: while they're still alive. Like, you don't want to be infected, so you would just throw them out in the street. And what early Christians would do would be to collect the bodies and care for them, and that a lot of them would recover. Hmm. But to do that meant that you were exposing yourself yourself to the plague. That's right. But Christians had a lot higher survival rate during the early plagues, so the town, know this. Oh, the, wow. the town would diminish in non-believers because they just threw their people out in the street, uh-huh. and the ones that survived survived because Christians picked them up. So now they have a new loyalty to this group of people that care for them. And, of course, and so the Christian
0: Christ- community was probably building up immunity through this practice. That, maybe, that wasn't, the, yeah, yeah, the intent because they didn't know about that.
1: Yeah, then, but. <laughs> but like so they they're 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 risking and caring for the people that are sick instead of. Distancing them from the people that are sick, and ironically, it actually contributed to the growth of the growth of the, church. the Christian church. Yeah, yeah.
0: Whoa, I had no
1: idea. Yeah, Rodney Stark talks about this in one of his articles on the plague. So just That's like powerful, like, and they didn't do it to grow the church. They just sure. like, oh, we're supposed to love, and it may sometimes mean that laying down our, our lives, lives. Yeah, and they they did, and it it resulted in God blessing their communities, and those communities again became more and more Christian because of it. It's a little bit
0: acting on compassion is an act of laying down your life.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Could, could be. And, but, but it ends up saving lives, yours and maybe others through that willingness to sacrifice. So the willingness to sacrifice may be greater other times, like in our culture, it's hard to think of a movement that would be life threatening for me. I mean, in my, where I'm at located right now giving to the poor doesn't seem life-threatening to me mm. living with the poor doesn't seem life-threatening to me but yeah maybe there are places where we could still enter to that kind of well
0: insofar as poverty and crime often intersect yeah there are ways in which
1: yeah. you know that this
0: raise this can emerge yeah. and it's been a tough season with the pandemic that yeah. we're just now coming out of, still in, but yeah. coming out of to some extent. When this will drop a little later, yeah. hopefully there'll be even greater progress. But especially the care for the dead has been a place where I've been really torn. I've been mean, I've been pretty on board with the restrictions for the sake of safety, but but that was that's been one area where I've been kind of like I don't know, dying with dignity really matters. Yeah, uh, and, okay. but I know I do know stories of folks who where you know one person chooses to. Yeah. quarantine for two weeks from the family so that they can then be yeah. in, you know, with someone as they're dying and yeah. at least so that they're not alone. And that is a kind of, you know, I guess, let me put it this way. It's one thing to lay my life on the line. It's another for me to lay someone else's life. Yeah. So for me to risk someone else's life, yeah. just so that I can like, feel like I did a good deed. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's actually a little twisted. Yeah. But the willingness to put myself in danger is clearly kind of just kind of laid out here. You're right. I, I see that as closer. At first, when I read it, I was like, lay down your life. You know, throw a buck to a to a beggar. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not really laying down your life, is yeah. it? But, but I'm hearing as
1: you speak, it's like, no, this is
0: – that risk can emerge even yeah. if it's not
1: immediate. Yeah, That's from, helpful. From my childhood, the story of Bruce Wilkerson – in the cross and the switchblade. Yeah. You know, where he prayed, I think he said two hours every night, and all of a sudden, God called him into New York City, down to, to the, I think, the Times Square area now. But, you know, mm-hmm. m- meeting Nikki Cruz there and the real danger of the gang that mm-hmm. was a part of that. Like that. So he got called into a place that was dangerous for him. So, I mean, we could still maybe see that at, at times. So sure. those those stories are in my head, but it's harder for me to imagine being called to that kind of place personally right now. Not that I'm not open to it, just it's harder for me to imagine, yeah, well, I know you you have some you know friends who who are in some
0: some tough places mm-hmm. and things could go south for them, so sometimes just befriending yeah those in greater need, yeah, exposes you, yeah to the challenges they might face, even if right now you feel safe, yeah you know
1: oh, there have uh, been times when they've been telling me stories about people coming to to hurt them that I go, hmm, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. It does, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm your next-door neighbor. Up your now. That's right. <laughs> that's right.
0: Well, let's take a quick break and come back and explore this some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with Patrick Eby, and we're looking at First John chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. 16 through the end of the chapter 24. So we can go any direction you like, but this is mm-hmm. at least I have one question I wanted to ask you Okay, about it's first 23 was sort of fascinating to me. So this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, first of all, there's kind of a nice little little miniature chiasm there, right? Command yeah. that we believe, that we love one another, just as he commanded. And of course, there's been talks about, you know, we're not giving you a new commandment. This yeah, yeah, the yeah. old commandment's all about love. Although here it's very specific. There's this kind of twofold command to believe or have faith and to love one another. And I don't know, just thinking, hey, okay, I've got a theologian here on the episode this week. A Wesley scholar, and this is a sort of central question. So, so I'd love to hear you just talk about the relationship of faith and love. You know, faith in works is the way it usually gets framed, yeah. but he, I, I think, it' more powerful to think of the relationship between faith and love in your own thinking, in First John, in yeah. Wesley's, in whatever. What, what, what comes to your mind when I ask you that question? Sorry, that was a long question.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the no first to thing, frame it. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is I think it's Galatians five five, six, Galatians five, six, yeah. uh, faith working through love. Right? Yeah. The only thing that counts it a faith that works through love or, or mm-hmm. as the CEV says, a faith that makes us love other people.
0: Hmm.
1: So like faith should be something that results in the fruits of the spirit. Hmm. So love, love is working out the faith that God, you know, like if we really get the character, the nature, the image of Christ in us, we're going to act the way Christ acted and those kind of virtues will flow out of it. And for the Wesley's it was like the next step like the obedience is a part of the faith, love, obedience. So mm. for Charles especially I can I can think of like is it freedom from or freedom to. Mm. So when they get when they experience Christ and his love, a lot of the people around them were it's freedom from. So the the church bell rings, and they're like, "Oh no, we're having a great conversation here. You know, we can just continue our conversation about God. We don't need to go down to the church." And Charles was like, "No, no, we're called to the ordinances of the church. So we need to go to church now. We need to pray in the church." So, like, their faith and love had a structure. It had a method to it. Like, a, yeah, it's that that structure was really important. So it, we're not given our own personal. Ideal of like, oh, I should do this. I I can just stay up here on the porch and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Charles said, no, we have a freedom now to go to church and love God and experience him. So those three things... With confidence, without with, our
0: heart yeah, hearts condemning us.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, it's not like, I need to go to church or else God's going to hate me. It's like, I need to go to church because that's where God's going to be and I want to meet God. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a guilt. How do you get rid of the guilt that comes with the kind of legalism I grew up with? Sure. You know, like, you need to do x, y, and z. No, we don't need to do it to earn God's pleasure, but he loves us, and this is our chance to meet him. So the Wesleys really felt that this liberated them to experience God in the in what they called the means of grace, yeah, so I, did I answer your question I, or did i did I, well,
0: did I divert? you did, and you didn't in a good way right <laughs> You answered it by diverting no. <laughs> yeah, so there's a a clear flow then from belief, from faith, yeah in what Jesus did, laying down his life for us, like at the beginning of this text. And the way that that enacts in loving one another. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, you kind of talked about obedience being then following on love. Of course, here it's just kind of, these are interestingly both commands. So it's kind of, they're both subsets of obedience in some way here in verse 23. But then verse 24, I think almost perfectly 24a, almost perfectly matched what I heard you describing from your own scholarship and insight from Wesley's. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And where does it say? Verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commands. Mm -hmm. Or earlier still, you know, we know verse 17, right? That the love of God abides in him. This language of abiding mm-hmm. seems to fit your talk here of means of grace. Yeah, It's not a sequence like, I prove my faith yeah. through my works of love. Mm-hmm. Or it's not that. It, or it isn't, if I have enough works of love, God will love me in return.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nor is it a simplistic, God loves me, and then like, that automatically produces the works Yeah. in a sort of like, like I'm a robot, Yeah. but rather that this is all a, a sort of, it's all one string of abiding. Yeah. I wonder if the language of abiding can be helpful here yeah. in the sense of what, what are the means of grace, but the practices in which we abide to continue to abide in God yeah. and in which he chooses to abide in us and with us. Right. Yeah. That might not be yeah. what this, passages speaking about directly, but yeah. I could see how, how it would apply indirectly yeah. to the larger question of what are the practices yeah. in which we abide? Yeah. I don't know. What? How does that strike you?
1: As you were talking, I, I wanted to change the language a little Please, bit. Yeah. So let's think about covenant language instead. Sure. So I have a covenant with my wife. Like we made a, a commitment to one another 37 years ago to you know love each other and honor one another and and be in commitment to one another that that's the abiding we abide in each other in that covenant right we have that covenant with God that we abide with him we he loves us we can be secure in that but that's not where the relationship ends i actually want to do things that puts me in her presence that shows my love for her right but it doesn't flow out of me trying to prove to her that i love her or try to win her love that all happened back when we got married like that we made a commitment to be in love the rest of our life so we do that when our commitment to god and now these things flow out of that commitment that covenant abiding relationship with god everything i'm doing flows out of this is a relationship i love to be in Mm -hmm. i want to be in this relationship how can i experience more of god how can i see him work in this world better so it just i have to work myself up to love god it's a part of who i and I am and who I'm becoming mm-hmm. deeper in so it's not like it automatically turns on like maybe it's harder for me to do the nice things for my wife at the beginning of the relationship that yeah. it grows over time that 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 so maybe does that help explain the abiding like the, the abiding is the present covenant that we have with God yeah like it's already something we're in no, I love it. I
0: think abide... Because abide can actually be this kind of... It's it's kind of become a religious word. Yeah. It's not. It's just an everyday word. It could be translated... It becomes another action. Yeah, it could become another thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it can be remain. can be translated yeah. remain. Yeah. And it can be translated stay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you would say, you know, what do you do, What have you done? You, well, you stay married. Yeah. Right? And you could say things like, you keep... Your marriage vows, yeah. or in the context of friendship, right? What does yeah. it mean to live into the implicit covenant of friendship? Yeah. Well, it's to be a friend. Yeah, right? it's not it's not some other thing. I don't do friendship.
1: Yeah, I yeah.
0: Just, I'm a friend. Yeah, which right? means
1: something different on That's every day. Right.
0: That's right. Abiding, remaining, staying, or keeping, which is a different word, but he uses it there. When you when you say keep his commands, actually, I love this because. He also says obey. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting how often the word keep is used instead of obey, hmm. which I think does signal covenant language. Because yeah. you keep a covenant. Yeah. You can obey a command at a distance outside yeah. of relationship, right? But you can only keep a command inside of a covenant, yeah. where yeah. it's like, Oh, these are your commands and I want to keep them. Yeah. Right? I want to stay faithful to them. Yeah. Keeping is more about faithfulness than it is about the performance of a of an abstract duty or something yeah. like that. Yeah, then it makes me kind of wonder, like, it's still weird. Verse 23 is still weird to me. <laughs> because I think there's a, I think maybe it's as Protestants or something and wanting to avoid works righteousness mm-hmm. that we might say like, oh, well, we believe in the good news. Yeah. And then from that flows the commandment to love one another, right? Yeah. The twofold commandment, love yeah, yeah. God, love your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. But here, it's pretty much straight. Here's his commandment. Believe and love one another. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So there is a kind of, which I think you introducing the language of covenant is a game changer. Because then that makes even the commands are themselves grace. Right. It's here is my invitation to you. And here's the covenant I have established with you. Trust me believe in my son and show love to one another. Yeah. And it's almost, it's almost implied like, don't worry that much about showing love to me. Just believe in me. Just, yeah. I've done enough loving for the two of us, <laughs> but the, but yeah. the place where to put your, put your energy is loving each other. Yeah. Cause it, it just dawned on me actually, as I was speaking just now, verse 23 is kind of like the Johannine version of the, the twofold love command yeah. in the synoptics. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, you know, here you get that kind of vertical and horizontal movement in a kind of twofold commandment. Believe in the name of God's Son Jesus Christ and love each other.
1: How does that strike you? So let me bring in Matthew then. Please, yeah. So Matthew, when he talks about the sheep and the goats, he says, As much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So the one of the reasons we're loving the others is so that we can experience god yeah so like this if you love one another you're experiencing my love and you're loving so i don't think i can experience god's love except for in community mm-hmm. like it's we have talked about our personal relationship with god and there may be times when we have glimpses of that it's back to altar's gate right where your heart's strangely sure. warmed but you a lot of times walk out of that with doubts. Was that really God? Yeah, like, sure. It's interesting that the next passage is testing the spirits. Mm-hmm. Like, was that real? Like, the, the doubts are there. That's right. But when you, when you become a part of a community that loves one another, then the love of God becomes more secure in your heart because you're not only sh- spreading his love, you're experiencing it from other people.
0: And this means vice versa, that all of our preaching and teaching about God's love it is... Undermined if we don't actually right. uh, live in a loving way towards one another. Yeah, because I mean I know a lot of folks who they've heard they've heard a thousand different ways how much you know God loves them. Yeah. He's the apple, of their eye. Yeah. But the way they've been treated by church people has yeah. is sufficient evidence that yeah. for them to not take that seriously. Yeah, yeah, and that's that pains me. But it, but it's understandable.
1: And the way John John addresses this, John Wesley addresses this. You got to be specific. Yeah, yeah, because John, John, John Drury, Leslie, yeah. John Dr- <laughs> John the Apostle. John the Apostle. There's yeah. a lot of Johns out there. John Wesley addresses this. People are trying to redefine what charity is, and charity is like telling the truth. That's what charity is. And it's, mm. it's just such a low bar for John. Like it's, you can't just tell the truth about who the poor are and not live with them. That's not love. Mm-hmm. Like there's just people that don't seem to understand what i mean charity is like caring for people it's not about truth telling i'm not that truth telling isn't sometimes an act of love but to reduce it to reduce it just to that and that's what he saw some of the people around him doing was saying well love is telling people the truth about where they're at in their lives Hmm. you know and he's like no no that's not what evasion tactics yeah yeah, like no the charity is actually living with people and hearing their stories and making them feel welcome and sharing the truth with them in the midst of that. But it's not just telling the truth, which sometimes it seems like we get to think that that's the most important thing is that we're demanding that people believe the truth that we believe
0: right before we'll love them
1: before we'll love them, (laughs) which
0: then does come back to 23 because I think it would be a mistake. I think it's important to see them as parallel and not sequential. Yeah. Not here's the command. You need to have faith. And then once you have proper faith, you believe the right things. Yeah. Then as yeah. a separate second step, yeah. you love other people. Yeah. Right. I think they really are meant to go together yeah. in the way that the first John's thinking works. Yeah. They're really mutually reinforcing. Yeah. Like too, cyclical. There are two aspects of abiding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't abide. You can't remain. You can't stay. In a space, the word is just the word for, you know, like moving into a house, right? You're by living in a place, in a room, in a house, you're implicitly trusting the foundation and the walls and the roof and you're cherishing it and being loyal to it by the way you take care of it. And that's the love, right? And they're just two sides of one coin. No faith without love, no love without faith. You know, they're always kind of, like you said, mutually reinforcing each other. Yeah, that's good, man. What a great passage and interesting stuff from from history, too, to to guide us. Let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. Okay. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Patrick Eby. uh, And we're looking at 1 John chapter 3. Uh, starting at verse 16 and going to the end of the chapter. So let's explore some sermon starters. But in order to get us started, I wanted to read the passage a second time. I'm going to use a different translation just for funsies, Mm -hmm. um, if that's okay with you. I've been using this. uh, This is uh, Raymond Brown's commentary on the Johannine epistles. It's a beast. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so here's his translation of 1 John 3. Uh, 16 through 24, and then we'll discuss what are some ways we could go about teaching and helping others to, to live this out. Yeah. So here goes. This is how we have come to know what love means. For us, Christ laid down his life. So ought we in turn to lay down our lives for the brothers. Indeed, when someone has enough of this world's livelihood and perceives his brother to have need, yet shuts out any compassion towards him, how can the love of God abide in such a person? Little children, let us not give lip service to our love with words, but show its truth in deeds. Mm -hmm. That is how we shall know that we belong to the truth. Indeed, before God, we shall convince our hearts, even if the heart knows something prejudicial to us, that God is greater than our heart, for he knows everything. Mm And beloved, if the heart knows nothing prejudicial, we can have confidence in the presence of God and can receive from him whatever we ask because we are keeping his commandments and doing what is pleasing in his sight. Now, this is God's commandment. We are to believe the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we are to love one another just as he gave us the command. And the person who keeps God's commandments, abides in God, And God in him. Now, this is how we can know that he abides in us from the spirit that he gave us. There it is. The word of God for the people of God. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Yeah. So, so how much you go about, I mean, 1st John's hard to preach on because it's, yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can say generally how you might preach on 1st John or on letters or specifically how you'd want to communicate the message of this passage.
1: So I, I I wonder if we need to do one more little bit of exegetical work sure. before we we get there. Please, if you look at verse twenty, one of our hearts condemn us. Yeah, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Is yeah. is like is that when you have doubts about being a part of the family, know that God knows better than and that you are in the family, or is this like a a real? Your heart is condemning you because you're doing wrong. Like, so how do how would you read that passage? How does Raymond Brown read that passage? Did oh, you have him I, I, open here? I do. Here? <laughs> I've, got, I've got a.
0: It's too. It's too good to not pass up. Yeah, he's got a great line here that I'm going to mention. So wait, that was verse what again? I think it's verse twenty. Yeah. Whenever our hearts condemn us. So, I just. I'm going to be a sticker here, but so. This is, this is Raymond Brown talking yeah, yeah. about this passage. We have already seen that the epistolary, that the, the author of this epistle is singularly inept in constructing clear sentences. <laughs> but in these verses, he is at his worst. <laughs> Most commentators kindly call this passage a crux interpretum. Less charitably, Loisy dubs it gibberish. <laughs>
1: I'm glad I picked out the gibberish at the passage. least.
0: At the least, it offers the prologue competition for the prize in grammatical obscurity. Wow! So let's listen to this. Let me first supply a literal translation, which is no mean feat, and then discuss nine most disputed po- points of interpretation. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just massive how many yeah. problems. Like, it's a very difficult sentence. So I'll read his just wooden... This would be almost exactly what I would... If I would just cite yeah. translate the Greek. Yeah. So in this, we shall know that we are from the truth. And before him... This is an and. So it's very unclear. And before him, we shall convince slash calm our heart. That slash because if our heart accuses us or the heart accuses us that because God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Beloved, if the heart does not accuse, we have confidence towards God. So, I mean, just hearing it woodenly there, you can see that you could take it either of the two ways you mentioned.
1: Yeah.
0: And so the question is from the rest of first John, what's, what, what impression would we get? I think to nudge it one way or the other, you know, is it, you know, that we should really listen to our conscience. I think yeah. it's kind of modern language. I think we call that yeah. a conscience. Yeah. Right? yeah, Should we really listen to our conscience? Because if our conscience knows that I did something, well, God knows yeah. everything. He, yeah. he knows too. He saw yeah. it. I mean, yeah. me and you grew up like that, yeah. Yeah. right? If I knew I did something bad, yeah. I know for sure God knows it too. Yeah. But it's also possible to take it this other way that yeah. you suggested and that other parts of this text, I think hint at, yeah. which is to say, don't take your conscience too seriously. Yeah. God really knows. Yeah. So if you are in fact part of the community, which is super crucial for first yeah. John, and you care for those who you've seen in need, don't keep yourself up too late wondering, Yeah, you know, whether you helped enough people. Yeah. God knows, yeah. you know, God knows your heart. Maybe he knows your heart better than you. You could really take it either way. And I'm, I'm really torn. Sorry yeah. to, I know you asked a little exegetical question, but yeah. I, I, because of, I quoted those lines, to be honest to say, yeah. it's a kind of a grammatical, yeah. Yeah. just hornet's nest. Yeah. Like it's really hard to make sense of. So wh- what are your thoughts as I share that?
1: But So I think tradition might have a influence on the way I read the text. Okay. So you've already hinted our, at our tradition and I I would classify our tradition as a navel gazing tradition, yeah. Like and John Wesley specifically journaling every fifteen yeah. minutes of his life. So, like the doubt that comes from that kind of hyper obsession of am I doing well enough? Mm-hmm. And so as as you were think, thinking about entrances into the text, you could take this this part of the passage and talk about like our modern questions, our modern doubts about who we are, how we're doing. Like those, mm-hmm. those are the kind of things that drive us. I might be a, an entry point into the text, but I would, I would pivot really quickly back to the beginning of chapter three. Mm-hmm. See what love the father has given us. Yes. That we should be called the children of God and start with, we are yes. the children of God. We're becoming the children of God. These are the things that the people who become more and more aware of God's love in their life do naturally. They love others, and they obey his commandments. So I would go from the, the confidence that of the covenant. That was Patrick. Oh, good. Back to verse 1, right? Yeah. To well, say, he's already said we're
0: children of God. Yeah. And that's better than just going over to Paul, Romans yeah, yeah, 8. Yeah. His spirit testifies with our spirit that yeah. we're children of God. I mean, okay. Yeah. But if you can stay in the language and rhythm of yeah. the text itself, it's just exegetically stronger. Yeah. He said we're children of God. Yeah. He, he wasn't telling a joke when he said that he meant it
1: and he's that's really good and he's noting this tension that we always have in our lives of you know when you have a a subjective religion that you know that doesn't Mm -hmm. just have objective markers of what what it means to be a christian like i went to church and i i did the sacrament like if you're actually measuring your faithfulness your zeal for god if you have that the question that next comes is how much is enough right and right. then then comes your spirit saying, no, no, you could have worked an extra hour. Like, you yes. walked by that guy that was homeless and you didn't give him $5. Like, but mm-hmm. you are the children of God. And those doubts believe God that you are loved. And you are loving others the way he's called you to love.
0: Now the commandment to believe in verse 23 has yeah.
1: an extra punch. Yeah. Believe
0: in Jesus Christ. Yeah. The one who died. You know, who laid down his life for you back to 16, right? Yeah. His love comes first. Yeah. Our belief in him, our belief in his love, trust that. Yeah. Trust that God is greater than your hearts. Yeah. More than your own. That's good because it, it is a follow-up. That tricky couple verses, tw- 19 through 21, comes right on the heels of verse 19. Let us love not with word or with tongue, but indeed in deed and truth. Mm-hmm. So you almost could say there's almost like if there's kind of a religion of there's a religion of word and tongue, right? Mm-hmm. You just say it. Yeah. Just confession of yeah. the faith. Yeah. Right. And then you could have a religion of, of deed, yeah. right. All about doing good works, yeah. but out of anxiety that either God will be mad at me if I don't, or that'd be a kind of supernatural anxiety. Yeah. And then like a nat or a naturalist yeah. anxiety that says, if I don't do it, it, the world will
1: yeah will fall apart without my yeah. good effort, and even with my good effort, it seems to be falling. apart. Yeah, yeah, that kind of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then there is the risk of a, and it's almost like he's saying, you know, if if this reading is is right, then do those good deeds, and that should be enough for your heart. Don't then go analyzing, yeah. you know, whether they're good enough. I got to be honest with you, Patrick. I. I prefer that interpretation. Yeah. I would be happy to embrace that as yeah. a true application of the text. Yeah. My hunch is is I, so I want to I want to see your communitarian maneuver yeah. and like raise you like a radical communitarian. That's right? fine. I want to say it's not just that. First John is saying don't listen to your subjective conscience. He might not even know what that is. Yeah, yeah. he might not. It, it might just be that this is a kind of modern yeah yeah problem. I remember Ken Shank, regular guest on the show. show said once to me in passing, this was years ago. He probably doesn't think this anymore. He's a, he's a, (laughs) he's a, he's an active lively thinker, but in passing he had said, well, you know, maybe the new Testament doesn't lay out kind of two works of grace, kind of justification and then kind of a deeper interior sanctification. But because the modern Western world has kind of invented this kind of like inner life, (laughs) this like introspective conscience, maybe we need like this other act of grace to help the insides. (laughs) And he was just being cute, but I mean, I think he's onto something that like, we're already, we might already be at a remove from this text to even talk about this kind of like troubled interior conscience that I'm with. I'm, and I'm, this is, I'm saying this to agree with you to say that even if he's talking about our, our, our hearts accusing us, I don't think he's worried about, i don't I don't think first John gives much to thoughts about you being up at night wondering about your yeah. your status. I think he's actually really confident yeah yeah but obviously if you if you still confess that Jesus, the Son of God came in the flesh yeah. and you are still in the community and you haven't broken off and run off with these other people who don't yeah. believe in you know yeah. the incarnation anymore then that's enough like that that should be clear evidence right so just stick to it right so he wants us to be he wants us to be confident that clearly that's his end game yeah which then i think sides with clearly i don't think the the first option is no good that he's trying to say really check in with your heart and it'll let you know Yeah, yeah i don't think that's what he's doing but he might not also be saying like don't worry about this god's got it it might just be look at the evidence. You did it. Yeah. You're doing the deeds. That's enough. Don't yeah. worry about your intentions or the quantity or quality of your yeah. deeds. Just be faithful. Keep yeah. your commands. Yeah. I don't know. How's that strike you? I might just be, I might just be off in Lululand now. But yeah.
1: Um, well, I, I think we're green. I think so. I just, I just had moved to, uh, like, how do you approach the tech to exegetics and, and preach it? So I know. Start it's with so a modern, hard, such
0: a hard text to preach.
1: So start with the modern conundrum of like checking our hearts. Like our, we let our che- hearts overcheck us, at least I think in my in my childhood. You know, like I think we believed in eternal insecurity. Like we yeah. were so yeah. we were so afraid of eternal security in our Armenian faith that there was just this insecurity of faith. And so if you're checking if I think he's saying that insecurity that you're feeling Check that with the verse one. God, you are the I children of God. So you could enter with the brave statement, "You are the children of God." This is how much God loves you. Start there, and then move to. But sometimes you have doubts, or you could start with, "Sometimes you have doubts," right. but God is. Which kind of loved. sermons
0: do you like better, Patrick?
1: I think I like the sometimes you have doubts. Yeah. Like the ones that connect with you, and you then with the problem. Yeah, I agree. and maybe maybe not solve it really quickly
0: yeah stay like, with it for a while stay
1: with it like let it let that soak in and then then begin to you know but remember God loves you What what's going to transform you even verse if, 17 you yeah. could use to to stir some anxiety yeah to
0: name it like whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother how could the love of God yeah. you kind of ask like yeah boy I, do I still have too much should I and could I be giving away more because yeah. then you could re- come back to that question with freedom yeah. in the second half of the sermon yeah.
1: because verse 20 is following that that, that kind of right. question will put verse 20 in your heart mm-hmm. like <laughs> the question oh man how many people did I walk by that I didn't take care of and I've got extra goods like, like verse 17 will put verse 20 in your heart that doubt that maybe I haven't been doing enough at least it puts it in my heart so when I think about these passages like what, what more could I do and the answer is, trust God and act on what He asks you to do. love your love your neighbors as faithfully as you can. And the the thing we haven't noted is like this ends with um, in verse twenty one and this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that He has given us see the link to romans 8 is stronger than on the surface i was thinking that when you said that it's like there's it (laughs) is a connection
0: (laughs) i just didn't i wanted to make
1: sure we let the text speak for itself but
0: the connections to paul's way of speaking is very strong here
1: so we have that inner assurance from the spirit that's matched by the outer works that we're doing if we never are showing love for our brothers and sisters then our heart is actually condemning us like it that's right like but it's if there're no deeds at all, I don't, I don't care if your heart tells you you're okay. That's right. Yeah. There's, where's the deeds? <laughs> yeah, there needs to be some obedience yeah. and love of brother that's evident, and sister.
0: But there's no quantity marked here.
1: No, no. It's just the in the act. Yeah. And you're you're gonna be, as the opportunity presents yeah. itself. Right. And as you understand the love of God, as you experience the love of God through the way other people love you, by the way that you've loved others, as that grows. It grows naturally. I mean, it not naturally, it's supernaturally in your life. Mm-hmm. God continues to reveal himself. It becomes easier and easier. Going from the other way, you're not doing enough. Work harder. Like, that's the opposite message mm-hmm. of the passage. I think
0: so. That's clear, yeah. Yeah, because he says, you know, we, verse 19, we will assure our heart before him. There is a kind of, and I don't want to turn that into a work now, too, yeah. but the notion of there are maybe some, and I think this could be somewhere to land practically our conversation yeah. and a sermon to ask, what are some of the practices of, so we talk about the practice, we should, We I think a, a sermon on this text would address both practices of love towards others, but also maybe mention some practices of assurance. Yeah. What are some things that we can do every day yeah. to just remember, yeah. you know what I mean, that I am a child of God, you know, yeah. like, and... We are God's children, more importantly. Yeah. We as a community are God's children, right? Um, and then, okay, how are we going to live that out, right? So some sort of uh, – some some reference to the assuring work of the Spirit. Because what I don't want to do is kind of do a deus ex machina kind of Spirit like at the end of the sermon say like, well, I hope the Spirit uh, gives you some assurance. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> right? But actually to – to explore, I mean, I'll just ask you put you on the spot, Patrick. Like, what are some practices that you have daily, weekly, monthly, whatever yeah. that kind of
1: bring your assurance back? Do you know what I mean? What What are some practices of assuring? When I when we were thinking about this, I was thinking also of how the community mm-hmm. can be the form of assurance that we need at those yes. those dark times. So, when I was a student here. I was just torn apart i mean i was I had almost lost my faith, yeah, and it was actually when we moved up to South Bend, went to a little community church that was maybe fifty or sixty, but the pastor's wife was the most loving, patient kind, and living in the community with this person with a simple faith mm. like that was what helped me reestablish my love for God, mm. was living in a community where people truly loved one another. So I'm I'm a part of a group that's not a religious group on Tuesday nights mm-hmm. called Circles of Grant County. And just that love that we have and acceptance of one another, most of us are Christians. I mean, not all of us are Christians. We share a lot of things. But that love, that living in community that loves one another actually helps me experience God's love in yeah. ways that I don't when I'm not in that kind of community. So that's one of my regular, like, I don't miss it if I yeah. at all can help so it. So beware of isolation, is yes. what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And for a lot of us. <laughs> this year's been a lot of isolation. That's
0: right. And for a lot of us, just by constitution, it's precisely when we don't feel like yeah. we're good enough, we yeah. isolate. Yeah. And that's when we need to lean in, not lean yeah. away yeah. from connection to others, right? Yep. Yeah, let's let's look at good. the
1: opposite side of this for just a second. This has been a season for some of extreme service.
0: Yes, yes. I think
1: specifically of nurses yes. that have been on the front lines that have experienced like the heartbreak. Like yes. they're the ones holding people's hands as they right. pass into eternity. So they become Without pastor, nearby mm-hmm. priest, you know, family, everything. Yes, and the kind of support and love that they need during this season because they have given. They have. Laid down their lives for others. Yes. So, like isolation can be something that separates us from the love of God, but overwork. Yes. You know that you you've taken that burden, and we're just seeing the suicide rates increase during this period. I mean, there's there's just a lot of mourning. I think that if we could find a way to to connect safely, to yeah. avoid the isolation, to share the share the burden of laying down our lives for those like. If we lived out this passage as a community, it might bring some healing to to the community as a whole and to mm-hmm. the individuals that are part of it. So being a part of community, that's, that's a long answer to your question. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, that, the, the, those touch points that reassure me that I'm not just hearing voices, that God is a real God who loves and cares, not only for me, but for the people that I hang out with. Yeah, boy, it immediately
0: makes me want to say, so like... You know, if you're listening to this, dear listener, and you're, you know, you're likely a shepherd to someone. Maybe it's just one other person who looks yeah. up to you. Maybe you're a pastor and planning yeah. sermons or service or whatever. I would say this week, reach out to um, a healthcare professional that you know yeah. and just ask, "Hey, I, I just want." just 10 minutes of your time, 15, you know, you don't yeah. want to, bur- you don't want to yeah. burden them with <laughs> they, meeting, helping numbers. you write your sermon, <laughs> but like just 10, 15 minutes. I just would love to brainstorm, hear from you. How could our community now, whatever size or shape your flock is, yeah. how could we love you guys better? Cause I know like back in the early days, there would be these celebrations, the yeah. honking of the horn. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe recognition is what they desire, but maybe it's not, maybe they need cash yeah. or maybe they need meals. Uh, yeah. Or maybe they need volunteers. I don't know, yeah. and I wouldn't presume to know. And even if I did know what would work here in my town, it might yeah. not work in every other town. Yeah. So that would start by leveraging a relationship you already have yeah. to brainstorm. Because I imagine, I imagine your wife, who who is a, a nurse who teaches nurses, yeah. would have suggestions. It yeah. wouldn't take that long to, yeah. to to find from her what she yeah. would think or would know who to talk to.
1: Yeah.
0: So that would be a an idea of something that could just be a very, because this is a kind of sermon because it says verse 17 or where is it? No, 19, 18, the, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in deed and truth, right? Yeah. Like if there aren't some very concrete deeds yeah. that flow out of this, it's probably not really like a faithful, <laughs> <laughs> whereas a sermon on this text that would issue in, in some very fitting deeds, yeah. even if the exegesis is a little, f- fuzzy it's i think it would be faithful right this is one where the deeds is what's going to prove it you know not every text is that way but this one is right yeah
1: Yeah. i would hope most texts would have both word and deed in them like but we artificially yeah yeah this one just is more obvious like because it says it right in the text i was thinking more uh
0: (laughs) this would be one where uh uh, failure failures at uh, a faithful exegesis are quicker to be forgiven.
1: Yeah, like, text, you, you know, yeah. Same
0: with like the Good Samaritan. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, if your exegesis is bad, but like someone's loving a little better that afternoon, like yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah,
1: But if you're talking about the deity of Christ, I don't know. Want, yeah, John chapter one, like okay, get the
0: exegesis <laughs> right.
1: a It's not that it always has to be perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the you might not be <laughs> forgiven if you make Jesus less than God. You know. Yeah, know.
0: <laughs> Maybe it'll be <laughs> forgiven. I'm just less forgiving. <laughs> I think God is forgiving. I'm less It's forgive. the theologians that are
1: going to have trouble with it.
0: <laughs> oh, you're totally right. Busted. Yeah. You, you busted me.
1: Well, I'm a theologian too. So. I know. I know. I
0: know. Well, thanks so much, Patrick, for giving an hour of your time uh, to the text and to our listeners. And yeah. just before we go, as always, I say thanks to Todd and Eric for their production work. I can't imagine doing this without them. Thanks to all our listeners out there for listening, for getting the word out in the show and social media and other means. Uh, Thanks especially to our patron saints, those who've chosen to support the show financially in various ways. I got a day job. I don't see a of that. That that goes to the the production team behind the scenes and the work that they do. Thanks so much, uh, all involved. And we always end with have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.